This is a Federal News Network podcast. That $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill for 2023 includes more funding for cybersecurity. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is in line for another big budget boost. And there's also a plan to ban that you-know-what popular social media platform. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins me with the latest. And, Justin, let's start with CISA. What's in there for that most popular agency across the board? Oh, yeah. It keeps getting more and more. The This agreement would provide CISA with $2.9 billion in fiscal 2023. That's a $313 million increase over the 2022 budget. And really over the last few years, we've seen CISA grow from a, about a $1.9 billion agency to a near $3 billion agency this year. And uh, in this 2023 budget, most of the increase is for the agency's cybersecurity programs. Not surprisingly, that there's about $200 million more for cyber threat hunting, vulnerability management, CISA's uh, management of the .gov domain. Uh, so there's, there's a lot in there for CISA's cyber operations and their kind of growing role there. The bill also reauthorizes the Einstein program, the National Cybersecurity Protection System at CISA. So quite a bit in there for CISA. And that $300 million increase Given what they actually do and what they'll do with it, Justin, it sounds like most of that money is for additional staff and maybe office space because it doesn't buy a lot, really. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's some cyber tooling and and software and services in there, but a lot of it is staff. I think CISA is looking for a, a several hundred person increase in staff this year. They've got the cyber talent management system, which helps them hire cyber talent faster than the typical personnel processes in government. So you're definitely going to see a lot of uh, CISA hiring, I think, over the next several years. And what about Einstein funding? Yeah, that's right. I mentioned it reauthorized the program for another year. It includes $320 million for the program, which is a little bit more than what the Biden administration had requested. If you recall, this system came under some fire for failing to detect the SolarWinds attack. From December uh, that came out in December of 2020 affected several federal agencies, but CISA officials have defended that program. They say it's, it was not designed to stop something like SolarWinds, uh, and, and now CISA is restructuring Einstein to modernize the program, and you're seeing Congress now reauthorize and continue to fund it. And by the way, did this increase for CISA come at the expense of the rest of the agencies in their cybersecurity budgets? No, there, there is actually a lot more funding for cybersecurity efforts really across the government. Uh, let's start with the White House Office of the National Cyber Director. The bill provides $22 million for that office to continue expanding. That's the first time it's received a regular appropriation, actually, since it was established just last year. It also provides $100 million for, for the Treasury Department's Cybersecurity Enhancement Account. That's $20 million more than last year, and that's going to let the Treasury Department move to a zero-trust architecture and accelerate cloud adoption within its Fiscal Service Bureau. And then there's $200 million for the Department of Energy's Cybersecurity, Energy Security, and Emergency Response Office, better known as CSER. And that office plays a big role in developing and testing technologies that protect industrial control systems and critical infrastructure and so that $200 million is $15 million more than last year. So there's another increase for cyber. Right. And a lot of agencies have been modernizing their systems using other budget lines. But in so doing, they have been able to boost their cybersecurity, which 
really goes hand in hand with modernization, fair to say. Yeah, that's right. I think you see a lot of vulnerabilities stem from legacy technology, uh, tech debt, as it's known, and, uh, and, and just systems that aren't kept up to date because they're out of date. On the other hand, they were pretty stingy with the Technology Modernization Fund, weren't they? for regular appropriations this year. Yeah, the Biden administration had requested $300 million this year, and Congress came in at $50 million for the Technology Modernization Fund. You know, that's coming off the back of still of that $1 billion investment in TMF from the American Rescue Plan. Uh, And Congress in this bill is actually asking for a plan, a detailed strategic plan for the IT modernization spend for the TMF and also for the Federal Citizen Services Fund at the General Services Administration. So Congress is asking for some more details for those funds before, I guess, they move forward with more funding. And what about the TikTok ban that is now official? That's right. It's uh, It was into, it tucked into this bill. Uh, the, the ban uh, legislation was introduced by Senator Josh Hawley, but House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was the one who actually reportedly pushed to get it into the omnibus. So it gives you a a sense of the bipartisan flavor to this legislation. It would ban TikTok on government-issued devices. So feds don't have to worry about the personal devices here uh, at this point. But that's due to security concerns around the social media giant and its Chinese owner, ByteDance, and the connections there to the Chinese Communist Party. TikTok is already banned by several agencies, including DOD and DHS, uh, so this this legislation uh, that's included here now just formalizes and, and kind of makes that a government wide ban. And that will probably precipitate more state bans. I know Maryland and a few other states, I think a good dozen states have already banned it from their state issued official devices, too. That's right. I think uh, Washington state was the, the latest one to do it. But, yeah, we've seen Maryland do that. And, and you're certainly seeing a lot of states get on board of this ban as well. So uh, pretty soon, no matter what level of government you work in, you're probably not going to be able to ban TikTok on your government-issued iPhone. I guess my question is, why would any grown-up want that thing on any phone for any purpose? It's the most ridiculous, but what do I know? I assume that uh, social media departments at agencies might be a little miffed by this, might feel like they maybe are losing their reach, but the security folks will be pretty happy. Well, I think, yes, there are some agencies that do investigative or forensic work or even cybersecurity work where they would have to have it in some way to be able to examine it the same way you would bring in, you know, cancer cells for research. Not that you'd want that disease, but you have to have contact in some form with it to be able to examine it and research it. Somebody will have the pleasure of looking at TikTok to see what it's doing. That's right. And anything else catch your eye in the spending bill related to DHS, cybersecurity and the agencies you follow? Yeah, DHS is actually seeing a a lot of increases. CBP, Customs and Border Protection, is getting an increase to hire 300 additional Border Patrol agents in fiscal 2023. Uh, The Transportation Security Administration is getting uh, $9.3 billion, which is a $836 million increase above last year. Um, And that includes funding for a TSA workforce uh, pay increase as well. So that's something the Biden administration had been pushing for. And you're going to see transportation security officers here likely get a pay increase in in the next year. All right. So federal agencies don't spend that money until it's in your treasury accounts, but pretty soon it'll be on the way. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Tom. And be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. 
Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care. And and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, send in my information, and lo and behold, I I, I get hired, and um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know often when you'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he 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 faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, 
I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the at special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of special olympics for themselves i i I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference how how do we get how can listeners get involved in special olympics ways to get involved uh, tons of ways so uh volunteers obviously coaches officials um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I'd mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.